Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking about Twilight and Personal Shopper. But first, let's catch up. What are you into, Bridget? Uh, I saw Parasite. I'm I so w- actually won tickets to go see it and I never win anything. Uh, so I felt like a VIP and I got to this <laughs> small indie theater in Houston where there were like 40 other people who had won tickets. And when I walked up to the usher, I was like, I'm a VIP. I won this ticket. I, I won. And, um, it was, I think it like totally lives up to the hype. I'm definitely a Bong Joon-ho ho, uh, now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's, I think he's, uh, what he does best is like kind of like Ben genres, you know? Uh, and I think that's been one of the reasons why it's hard for people to talk about parasite without like spoilers, quote unquote. Uh, but it's such a good reason to see it too. Uh, cause it's definitely not what I think anyone expected it to be, but really, really good. I'm obsessed with the whole cast now. Uh, and I can't wait for more people to see it and talk about it. Uh, I'm also into his dark materials, which I just watched the first episode of the new reboot on HBO starring Daphne Keene and Ruth Wilson and, uh, James McAvoy as the principal cast. And I think it just does like a really good job at capturing the world and nailing the tone, which is like, it is for a younger audience. So it's not going to be like, I think people maybe watched it thinking it was going to be like a gritty HBO adaptation, but like there's Mm -hmm. no place for boobs in his dark material, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's just no place for rape or something like that, you know, although Uh, it probably will get dark, dark, at least for a kid's show. Yeah. The book is very, very dark. Yeah. And there's like a lot of, I heard some disappointing commentary from the creators of the show. Like they're trying to do it without being political. And I'm like, this show starts with kids getting captured and put in cages. You know, uh, I don't think you can avoid that. Yeah. But very excited to keep watching it. I just love seeing like little fantasy animals on screen. (laughs) I'm so excited to watch. Yeah. And as I I was saying to Mackenzie earlier, James McAvoy is actually like really good in it and like fits the role pretty well. Uh, even though sometimes I find him to be a huge cornball, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he was in Chronicles of Narnia. He nailed that fantasy role. Yeah. Maybe that's where he should stay is like that's whimsical fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm also reading this book called Voices from Chernobyl by Svetlana Alexievich. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right, but it's one of the primary sources used for the Chernobyl TV show that came out in the spring, and it's really one of the only books written about Chernobyl, uh, quoting people who lived through Chernobyl. So Mm. it's every chapter is like a monologue from a different person, and there'll be one from someone like a resettler, someone who chose to live in the contaminated villages after they were all evacuated, and you know, like they're they're just like really haunting, like beautiful monologues like this woman lives alone and like the feral cats and dogs like run amok in her village and she you know just like knows that she's being poisoned but would rather stay in her home than live anywhere else so it's a bummer i don't know why i'm reading so many sad books (laughs) but it's really really good and i really enjoyed the tv show so i wanted to learn more yeah yeah i should read something happier what are you into this week (laughs) mackenzie (laughs) um I recently bought the newest Luigi's Mansion, Luigi's Mansion 3, which is a video game for Switch, and I love it so much. Luigi's Mansion, the first one, like influenced so much of my What is Luigi's aesthetic. Mansion? Is that just like the game? Yes, it's just okay. a game. 
And Luigi goes to a mansion with Mario, and Mario is captured by Boo, the ghost. Mm-hmm. And Luigi is now the main guy, and he has to save Ooh. Mario. And I played the first one. It was the first game that I like fully played to, all the way to the end, and I did in high school with my bestie at the time, Mel. Shout out Mel if you listen to this. Um, but... It was so fun, and I tried to play the second one, and I couldn't get into it, but this one, I feel like I will be able to, so that's definitely, it's just so fun. It's so spooky and great and atmospheric and just, like, kind of easy also. That's what I look for in a game. (laughs) Um, And then my second thing that I'm into is Jenny Slate's newest, like, stand-up slash documentary film about herself on Netflix stage fright um and i feel like it has a similar vibe in terms of like into as like personal shop shopper in yeah. terms of like connections to real life clothing. ghost stuff oh like, yeah because i think a lot of ghost movies or like horror movies portray ghosts in like this like over the top way yes. But a lot of the ghost stories you hear are just like, oh, like a a window opened and like a breeze came through. Or, or like my whole like, family lives with this and we know it's real because it yes. just like happens every once in a while. It's yeah. not scary. It's just Where, a thing. I, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So, um, and she's very like vulnerable in it and about like being, about like her divorce too. I don't know. I just yeah. really liked it because it was not... I didn't even think it was like very, it wasn't very funny. And no, even her like stand up, I didn't like laugh that much about it. But it was very like sad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, Super I liked that about it. She's yeah. like, I think women love her for that reason too. Is that like, yes, she's funny, but she also is just like gets to her humor is based around like deeply sad personal yeah. things too. And yeah. that's another interesting connection though. So it's like it touches on ghosts and like the deep personal connections women have with clothing. You know, because like she dresses mm, yeah. up in her grandmother's clothes and like yeah. walks around. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And she talks about her jumpsuit constantly throughout the film. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is very good. And yeah. it reminds me of Fleabag, the jumpsuit from Yeah. Fleabag. Anyway, um, my third thing that I'm into, I'm into is um, this documentary on Netflix about the making of the newest Dark Crystal Age of Resistance show. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Crystal Calls Making the Age of Resistance. And oh, cool. It just goes all into, like... It just shows the behind the scenes of how they made all the puppets and all of the like sketches and all like the sets and everything. And the like the puppeteers actually and how they make the decisions on like which way they should tilt their head or like how wow. complicated it is to make them blink at certain times or like whatever. And I it's so complicated and so much work went into it. I like cried. <laughs> I Can cried you? watching the documentary about I, it. I want to watch but... that so badly. I love whenever you see anyone doing something like that. You're like, I want to, I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I'm like, I want to do that. Like, how do you know you want to do that? That's yes. specific. Like, it, well, because it's such, exactly. Because it's so suspic- suspic- specific. <laughs> and, like, and you just like want to. I wish that I felt so passionately about one thing that I could just devote everything to it. Yeah, and you're just. Yeah, dive into it and become yeah. the expert at that one thing. Uh, the, um, I read an interview with the guy who created the puppets for um, his Dark Materials, mm-hmm. and he also created the puppet for fuck 
something else really big that recently <laughs> came out with animals. Damn it. I can't remember. But it was like, this is so cool. He's like Hollywood's animal puppet guy. Yeah. You know? He probably... He, I wouldn't be surprised if he worked on the Dark Crystal too, because like, yeah, they brought in like all these experts, and it just, especially like when it's something so tangible, like everyone's just working with their hands, and everyone's just on set every day, like tweaking things and like placing each individual hair into Amazing. like the thing, and I, I was just like very moved. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Well, this is an intimidating episode we're about to embark yes. on, <laughs> touching upon one of the all-time greatest film juggernauts, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the most polarizing actresses over time. Yeah, like. that's true, too. Like, and I personally have done like a total 180 on Kristen Stewart, too. Yeah, I think, and I think like she really is, I think, the most polarizing not for, one of them sure. i think she, she is, is the, the most, most contested you love like, her or hate her yes yes so we're gonna get into it yeah i'm excited <laughs> so the first movie we're talking about is twilight oh i'm so excited i'll try to not make my voice shake during this <laughs> <laughs> in the film that launched her into international fame Kristen stewart plays bella swan an awkward 17 year old who moves to forks washington to live with her father at her new high school, Bella is immediately drawn to Edward Cullen, an aloof but beautiful classmate. After Edward saves her from an out-of-control car, Bella begins to suspect there's something supernatural about her crush. Through some internet sleuthing, Bella realizes that Edward and his entire family are vampires. <gasps> <laughs> they never age, and their skin glitters in the sunlight. They lust for blood, but have gone vegetarian. Despite the efforts of rival vampires and Bella's friend jacob the two fall deeply in love <laughs> it's hard to keep it together after you gasped but what what are your overall feelings and personal relationship to twilight uh okay so i recently watched this video by Lindsay ellis who i love on youtube where it was a long apology video to stephanie meyer and in it Lindsay ellis is like identifies herself as during the height of twilight being one of those girls who was like just so everybody knows this isn't feminist and it's not good and like kind of made a hobby out of just like dogging on the book and the movie and making fun of it and like going on websites to make fun of it and i was totally one of those girls i had friends who were super into twilight and i hadn't even read it i would just be like you know it's really fucked up and it's an abusive relationship um without even reading it and I wish for myself that I had just allowed myself to like it and enjoy it. You know, I think you can like enjoy something and know it's problematic or stupid. You know, I wish just that mm -hmm. I had let poor 16, 17 year old Bridget enjoy the ride <laughs> and get into it. Yeah. But you had a different uh, history with it. Well, I was one of the girls that did really like it. But I mean, like, like I've had said in the past few episodes, I can't really get into like fandom. So it wasn't super like that, like deep mm. for me. But I did, I did really like it. And I read them like in a week. Wow. So and I read them, I read like the first one on the plane to Washington. <gasps> because my whole family lives there. So we were going out there to visit them. And then as soon as we got off the plane, I made my parents go to borders or Bryce no. and get all of the rest of the ones and then i read the rest of them like on our road trip because we had to drive from seattle to spokane Ugh. like driving through 
these like beautiful forests that are shown in the movie and so i just like was so like taken with it and i would just like gaze out the window being like i wish i could see like a wolf like, oh my <laughs> god <laughs> but like i think i think it just i think it like is successful because of a few different things and i think it's I think that so much of teenage love hinges upon want, needing to feel desired. And I think that mm. it, it is really good at making, like, Edward making, is good at making Bella feel like she's yeah. desired. Yeah. And that it's like this, she is, like, kind of thrust into this, like, more adult lifestyle where she doesn't, like... And it's like a fantasy lifestyle too, where they're obviously immortal, and like rich, rich, and, you know. and like can basically do anything they want. So I think that is like also part of it, where you can just—it's pure fantasy. It's pure wish yes, fulfillment. Um, exactly. That's a really good point you made. Like I think everyone, like I can identify, like the first like person I had like extreme feelings for in high school was just mm-hmm. because they paid attention to me, you know, that exactly. I, was, like, I was getting paid attention exactly. to the exact way I wanted to be paid attention to. Yep. And it didn't even really matter who the person was. And yep. you put an interesting, um, note in here that like, does Bella want his lifestyle more than him? Because it does seem that she is very attracted to being a vampire, like immediately mm-hmm. from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they make it very like seductive and attractive to her. Yeah. Um, but so our, our two, Lovers, lovebirds are played by <laughs> Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, who dated in real life. Um, mm-hmm. I think I began on set for this movie. I was reading mm-hmm. that the director, Catherine Hardwick, warned Robert Pattinson that Kristen Stewart was underage and he would go to jail. <laughs> she was like, you have to restrain yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and so Catherine Hardwick is also the highest grossing female director ever. And it seems like it was kind well... of an... Is that after it's oh, Patty Jenkins I, probably. Has yeah. Now, but, but I think that hmm. Wonder Woman wouldn't have been necessarily given to a woman if it wasn't for Twilight necessarily. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting because Catherine Hardwick has even like said this herself, that the reason she got the movie was because no one thought it was going to be a big deal. Like people right. severely underestimated the appeal of this movie. Someone mm-hmm. said to her like, Oh, like 400 girls in Salt Lake city are going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they cut down her budget and they like, mm-hmm. she just like was trying to make like an, they, I mean, they, they cast two unknowns for the leads mm-hmm. because they couldn't get anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so interesting because it became so wildly popular. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> the big difference between this and Wonder Woman too, is that mm-hmm. they probably went into Wonder Woman knowing it was going to be a success. Yeah. And it was like the first female superhero movie. All right. Um, yeah. 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 But this but- is very much like an indie movie. It really sure. is. It had like a 37 million yeah. b- budget and was made in like 45 days. Mm. Yeah. is even like the way that it's made is very unconventional, I feel like. Uh-huh. Some of it I like and some of it I don't. Like, I don't like the Dutch angles that are happening like every five seconds. I hate that. But yeah. that's just like also a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. But I do like the sort of like blue tint to the whole movie i like it too and i liked the like scrapbook quality of the editing too mm-hmm. I, it just it felt because i like that it felt like almost like a 
I don't want to say student film. I'll say indie. It, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> a personal nostalgic memory. You yeah. know, even the, the tinted um, color and Bella's voiceover makes it like immediately like you're like hanging out with your friend and she's like reading her diary or like you're yeah. you're like talking to someone. Do they keep the voiceover for the rest of the film? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Uh, and like it really is a successful way because the books are from her perspective of like keeping that in. Um, so let's talk about the performances. Uh, Kristen Stewart as Bella. This is not her first movie. She was in Panic Room. She was in Into the Wild. And Adventureland mm-hmm. was before this, which surprised me. I thought oh. that they were like at the same time. Mm-hmm. I love her in Adventureland too. But mm-hmm. people were like lit on fire with hatred by her performance in this movie. Yeah. I um, I think that she her performance like gets better throughout the movies. I actually watched yeah. all of the movies this week <laughs> in mm. preparation for this, but also cause I wanted to, Yeah, but, um, I, I, so I think that like she sort of grows with the character. Cause I think Bella herself also become mm. like is able to make and s- more decisions and stand up for herself more as the films progress sort of. And I think, a lot of that has to do with the writing, but we can talk about that after we talk about the performances, maybe. Yeah, and I I read this article on Vulture called Kristen Stewart Has Always Been a Great Actress, and it makes this really interesting point about her performance in Twilight. It's by Kevin Lincoln, by the way. That is, like, Kristen Stewart it has to almost be, like, a blank slate in this movie, too. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, she has to be something that girls can project onto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lincoln writes, as Bella Stewart moves seamlessly with the character's arc, and that's a necessary component of any performance with an audience avatar role. Because, like, Bella mm-hmm. is not, like, a super distinct person. She is... No. some. She could be anyone. And that's, like, what is appealing mm-hmm. to girls is that they can imagine themselves in her place. Yeah. And that's hard. That's a hard thing to pull off. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that she gets dogged upon a lot is, like, her tics... Like her kind mm-hmm. of like stuttery or like touching her mm-hmm. hair, you know, mm-hmm. um, or that she kind of just like plays herself. And I mm-hmm. hate that criticism. I think we've talked about it before too, because it's like saying like, you know who Kristen Stewart is when you're like, mm-hmm. oh, she just plays herself every time. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. so you've hung out with her and you know what she's mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more harder than people give it credit to for her to be so naturalistic to the point of it's like, is she even acting in front and of I the camera? And I think this, I think those things those ticks and kind of make it mm-hmm. feel like she is acting like it, yeah. I, I th- it, it, for me, it feels less like she's, I don't know. It makes me aware that she's performing, but mm-hmm. in a way that makes me feel like her characters are aware of the way that they're being seen. Does that make sense? Like yeah. they're, I don't think it's necessarily that she is a bad actor or uh-huh. is like, disappearing not disappearing into the role i think it's that it makes it feel like the characters are just paying attention to how the world views them or mm-hmm. how their narrative is constructed i guess and or, how apt for this role too yeah yeah, yeah. um and so she's she's opposite robert pattinson who Catherine hardwick had to like struggle to get cast because uh he was kind of unknown he had been in harry potter but that was like years before 
And she said he showed up to a meeting with film executives with like his hair dyed blonde and he looked like terrible and like really grungy. Mm-hmm. And they had to convince him that he could be handsome. And I think he was a very controversial acting, uh, casting choice at the time from fans. Yeah. Well, I remember. So I saw this in theaters like the day it came out with my friends. And I was mm-hmm. the only one that like read the books. Oh. And I, as soon as he came, and I like wasn't thrilled. I was, cause I just don't think he's that yeah. cute. Like, he came on screen for the first time and it's like he's walking into the cafeteria and like the music changes and everything and like everyone in the theater is screaming and it's like such a pleasant experience watching the the movie like this in a theater full full of like screaming teenage girls it's just so fun but um my friend whispered to me and was like this is the guy that's supposed to be so hot and i was like well like give it a chance and then by the end of the movie they were like okay like i get it he's so hot yeah Yeah, and that's another thing, and it's kind of like how we've talked about with Fleabag, too, is that I think Catherine Hardwick and probably also Stephanie Meyer, like, really get what gets girls going, too, Mm -hmm. you know, like like when he walks into the cafeteria Mm -hmm. and she, like, can't stop looking at him, you Mm -hmm. know, or, like, the whole setup, which is basically like at the beginning of the film like oh my god does he hate bella you know Mm -hmm. or uh they just capture your interest immediately in him and and them and i think like the hottest part for me besides so a few of the hottest parts i'll I'll go through them (laughs) okay please do like the part in the when they finally are like official and start dating and they're walking into school together for the first time and he has this huge grin on his face and he puts his arm around her oh yeah I love that. For the same reason I love Peter Kavinsky put, putting his pocket in Lara Jean's yeah. jeans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it, he's like, what he like wants to be seen with her. He's like proud he's that he's like dating her. her. Yeah. Well, her. Yeah. Sort of. No, yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. But it's sort of like, yeah, just like he's not like ashamed of her, I guess. And I think that like speaks to a t- very teenage anxiety. Like, Yes. And I think another hot part is when they first kiss and Bella takes charge. Yeah. Another great part of like this whole franchise is how horny Bella is. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something that people don't want, like probably myself too in 2008, Mm -hmm. don't give the storyline credit for is that like Bella Mm -hmm. is the pursuer. She like is the aggressor. She is like, I'm into you. I'm going to Google you. I'm going to figure out what's going on with your family. I'm going to kiss you. Yeah. And like, she knows what she wants. And And she's the one who, and it's like a lot of people have take issue with this movie because they don't have sex, Mm -hmm. but it's never that Bella thinks like a moral code will be broken because she's going to have sex or that she doesn't even want to have sex or that she's afraid to. She wants to have sex the entire time. Yeah. And I think that is never like hidden or shied away from. I think it's just Edward being like overly cautious, which isn't a bad thing, I think. And not to get like too deep into it, but so Stephanie Meyer is like a, uh, like a devout Mormon woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and her faith does like influence the book at the very least, Mm -hmm. but for a very traditional kind of like story arc for a female character, which is like Bella eventually ends up like married and a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she, I'm going to do a bad job explaining this, but like she is, she is able to become like the head of a household basically, which is like Mm -hmm. in a way in a sense, like her gaining agency that she didn't have before and, you know, like becoming like getting what she wants. And mm-hmm. pers- even if it's not, you know, a very progressive vision of 
what a woman could do with her life. It is still exactly that she she wants and she seeks out. Yeah, um, and it's the choices that she makes. Yeah, this movie is also super fun to watch because I think it is knowingly campy and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like the baseball scene with the family, oh like who could, who, they had, you know, you have to know that that's silly. It's silly. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's obvious, you know, and it and, just gets progressively like campier. I feel like. Yeah. You know, as the films go on, mm. but it's like, who cares? I know. Exactly. Well, that's like in that video that you mentioned that uh-huh. apology to Stephanie Meyer. Doesn't she say like, it's just as ridiculous as Fast mm. and Furious, but yeah. people don't rag on it as much yeah. as Fast and Furious. Mm. Like, and it even has similar themes, like family. Family. Yeah, you're right. So Melissa Rosenberg, who wrote the screenplay for all of the movies, which is unusual because the directorship changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, when you read the criticism of tri- uh, Twilight, it's just vitriol. It's intense, the contempt. From critics, both men and women. It's interesting, you know, there's this Harvard professor who wrote an article after Breaking Dawn called The Bigotry of Hating Twilight. We've seen more than our fair share of bad action movies, bad movies geared towards men or 13-year-old boys. And you know, the reviews are like, okay, that was crappy, but that was a fun ride no one says oh my god if you see this movie you're a complete fucking idiot and that's the tone when people talk about twilight right which is true like you're you're filled with like because I, I did like it and i mm-hmm. i mean i was disappointed watching the movie after reading the book i thought the because it just how can i live up to you yeah but i tried to like i didn't want to like say that i liked it you know i was like mm-hmm. ashamed that i liked it even though i wasn't like the biggest fan it was still like sort of embarrassing for me and I remember when I got to college, Kether liked it too. Kether, our mutual bestie and my roommate. freshman roommate mm-hmm. slash college roommate forever. Um, <laughs> she like, for my birthday, she like wrote me a card and was like, we can secretly sneak in to like secretly go and see the new Twilight Aww. movie without like telling anyone. That's cute. And it was very oh, cute. Guys. And, and like... I don't know. It felt nice that like I was able to share that with her and not yeah. be embarrassed about it. And another thing was I I so when I was 16, I got a tattoo of a book on my foot. And the tattoo artist was like kind of a dick and he was like he was like what book is this? Like Twilight. And I could tell it was meant to be like a jab, a but I said I remember like sort of sticking up for myself and being like it could be. It's like any book that it's like any book. It could be any book. You know, like all books are fine. You know, <laughs> I know that's so annoying that it, it, be, it become shorthand culturally for a while to like just Twilight was like for dumb girls, you know? Yes. Or yeah, like for sure. Something that pe- other people couldn't understand the appeal of. But I mean, there's so much appealing moments to this movie. Um, I feel like Robert Pattinson's performance is like so wildly strange at times. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can see his later career like peeking out from Edward, you mm-hmm. know, where he's like this heartthrob, but he's actually like a really weird character actor. Yeah. Like when they when he first talks to her and he's like, you know later that he's like smelling her, so it's really hard for him. <laughs> but he like she sits down next to him at the lab table and he's like Hello. <laughs> and it's so weird. He's so weird the whole movie. He's yeah. Such a freak. And like yes. even the parts where he like watches her sleep and stuff, they're funny yeah. now. They're just yes. purely funny. It's so weird. And I think like that that is also like a fun part of it. It is fun because it's so campy to poke fun at it while you're watching. Yeah. And I think that's part of like being a fan of it is like being able to accept it and its flaws and being able to love yeah. it and, and because re- of those mm-hmm. flaws. Like I think that 
Like I watched it with a friend on Wednesday night and it that's like the best way to watch it is with a friend. And like we watched it at your house once. Yeah. And we were just like making fun of it, but also like excited and loving it at the I same know. time. And it's frustrating because it's like when when people make fun of it, it's like, okay, you don't think the fans know that? That it's not yeah. like Citizen Kane, you know? <laughs> But at the same time, it's it's it, it did a, it's a very good adaptation of the book, and like Catherine Hardwick should receive all the props you know mm-hmm. in the world yeah. uh, for 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 launching this huge film franchise uh, mm-hmm. that broke records and like made history. Um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Catherine Hardwick wanted the movie to be more diverse. Did you read that? Yeah, I did read that. She Props wanted, to her. Yeah, she she wanted Alice to be Japanese, and Stephanie Meyer kind of like shot that down. She was like, "I wrote that they have pale skin," uh, which oh, is I whatever. Roll. But they did. She did succeed in making Bella's high school normie friends diverse, yeah. which mm-hmm. is I feel affection for them because yeah, <laughs> I feel like they're also like playing the movie straight and that they know twilight i mean uh, bella and edward are ridiculous the whole time you know where it's like yeah. they're like just these normal people who are like what the fuck yeah i know i love that <laughs> and i think that is credit to Catherine hardwick and melissa rosenberg for writing it so well in that like and that it is sort of like self-aware especially yeah. with those other ca- the outside characters like that like the Greek chorus vampires. of like yeah. Like Charlie the dad and uh-huh. the like high school people, they're all like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> and, and like Anna Kendrick's character in this movie, but also like all of the subsequent movies is written so well where she's just like, she's great. I love her. I, I want to like pull some clips of her because like, if we could do that. She's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can I- see why like she got noticed from this, I think. Yeah. That's a good um, point too. Yeah. Man, this IMBD trivia I found when I was looking at the Twilight is so ridiculous. Every once in a while, there's a lot of like IMDb quote trivia yeah. that is not actual trivia. But this one is, in traditional vampire lore, vampires can transform into bats. In the Twilight films, Robert Pattinson plays a vampire, but would only go on to play a quote bat as Bruce Wayne Batman in the Batman 2021. <laughs> Who added this? Someone added it recently. Yeah, it must have been recent. That's so funny. I know. I it, but, like it, but a Twilight diehard fan, like a Twilight. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like I got I got to let the people know what I have yeah. found out. He'll be a he'll be a fine Batman. Yeah. Not that we need it, but he'll be fine. Yeah. It'll allow yeah. him to go on to do more weird movies like The Lighthouse and Yeah, Good Time. So we forgot to ask the most important question: Are oh. you Team Edward or Jacob? So I am not a a, a studied <laughs> a fan. Yeah. fan, but I feel like from what I have read, I like Jacob because I feel like he and Bella talk more and know each other better as people. But okay. please tell me what you think. I I so and I initially, and this is what I always say, is that I'm Team Jacob in the movies, but Team Edward in the oh. books. I don't know if that holds true because I just rewatched it all of them and I was like kind of feeling I mean I was kind of feeling like Edward more in the movies this time okay. just because I think because I have also become an adult <laughs> since I watched <laughs> I watched these movies last so Jacob is just very like childlike to me yeah and it's hard to be attracted to that I guess he um, does seem <laughs> much younger than her yes yeah um and I do feel like there's more of a kinship between Bella and and Edward's personalities and that they're both like just mopey and sad mopey weirdos. Of. Yeah. Um 
so I guess I'm team Edward. But I do have to... I told Char I would mention this, that she is team Edward books, but team Charlie... Team Charlie. She, I think she just loves Charlie in the movies. And like... <laughs> I thought that meant like he, Charlie should marry his daughter. No, but I think it's just like... She it means that she is not for either of these boys, and that she just likes Charlie's performance, and he is a good supportive dad. Mm, I, and yeah. I think, and I think that even though he has these like cringy jokes about like shotguns and stuff, which are like horrible, yeah. I think it's like almost self aware in that like of course he doesn't. I think he's like almost making fun he's of harmless. dads that would say that yeah. because he lets her do whatever she wants and like completely yeah. trust her and yeah. it's like he does have to sort of start drawing the line when she disappears for like yeah. weeks and comes back with like broken limbs or whatever that's such a stretch there's some i mean of many of a movie with many stretches <laughs> i did see this tweet recently that was like i don't understand movies or books with like a love triangle like why doesn't everybody just date <laughs> that would be the progressive reimagining of twilight where bella yeah. has two boyfriends and yeah. uh uh, one does not imprint on her baby child. Yeah. Crazy. So Mackenzie, wild. Do you want to do a dramatic reading of the 10 star review sure. we found on IMDb? Yes, I'll go. I'll do it. IMDb. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so here's this 10 star review. I've been watching quality films all my life. This movie, in my humble opinion, is a cinema masterpiece. Don't believe the bad reviews. They are jealous of the main characters who found true love on screen. It was the first movie in a decade I had to watch back to back because you will probably miss a lot on your first viewing. First of all, Kristen Stewart is excellent. The way she portrayed the character is unlike anything I've ever seen. She gave so much depth to Bella. It was even better than the book. Also brilliant. I don't get the hate she gets for this role. She should have been awarded with at least a Golden Globe nomination. At least. At least. An Oscar? I, Possible. Second of all, Robert Pattinson is really, he said Rob, name wrong. Patterson. Robert Patterson is really handsome in this movie and also very good at acting. The best method actor currently alive. He dove so deep in this role, I don't know if he will ever recover. He's still Edward right now. The rest of the cast was also good. I didn't like the bad guys. They were stupid and ugly. I hope they never act again. I hope you like my review. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It can't be a 12 year old because they've been watching films for a decade, but maybe they're referring to a decade of their life. This such, what a charming review. I know. It's nice to read a happy review for once. Yeah. I I should mix it up more. Uh, Now we're going to pivot to another supernatural Kristen Stewart film. In Personal Shopper, Kristen Stewart plays Maureen, a morose young woman in Paris working as the shopping assistant to a famous model. In between picking up new couture styles for her boss, Maureen attempts to contact her recently de- deceased twin brother, Louis. Louis was a medium, a person able to contact spirits, and Maureen suspects that she might be one as well. Louis and Maureen made a pact that whoever died first would first try to contact the other twin as a ghost. When Maureen begins to receive mysterious text messages, she's certain they're from Lewis. But when her supermodel boss is horribly murdered, Maureen's strange correspondence takes a dark turn. Oh my gosh, this movie is so good. I love it. I'm so glad that you like it, too. I love it so much. I feel like 
it's such a good ghost story because it's so simply told, you know, and it's, but at the same time, very mysterious and open to a lot of different interpretations. Yeah. I like the, how it's like genre, but only it's like light genre, light genre. I like that too. I think and that like artsy. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh parasite for that reason too, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's pretty much like a normal film, but uh, with like these light touches or like the Jenny Slate thing, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, a vision of a world with ghosts where like 90% of the characters in this movie are like, okay, ghosts are real. Let's like, let's go from there. You yeah. know? Like I no one's that. like you are you're not a medium. Like her, her the friends Maureen's in contact mm-hmm. with are like you are a medium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like refreshing and it just cuts out all the bullshit where like it's like trying no to convince one, people or yeah. yeah I'm, it's because like, that's not important really. And I think that it allows because it's like this weird mix of like genre and like art cinema or whatever, it allows you to more fully be able to connect with it mm. and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also such a great performance from Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to watch uh, in comparison to Twilight, where the like you could see the seeds of this performance in, in Bella, kind of. You know, she's playing this like very vulnerable, sad young woman mm-hmm. who is kind of at the will of other people for a lot of the film, but trying to figure out how she can express herself or be the version of a person she wants to be. Um, And she does so quite often through her relationship with clothes, which is really interesting too. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much beautiful clothing in this movie and it's really like used as like a metaphor that watching it this time too, I was kind of like wondering like what the clothes in particular, like why clothes, why is this movie about ghosts and also about clothes, you know? I think it's, like, sort of about identity and, Mm. like, her almost, like, identity crisis with the death of her brother and her twin Mm. uh, and and also just, like, not really knowing how she fits into the world and having this idea of herself that is being challenged by this desire that she wants to sort of – that she's sort of ashamed of, which is, like – the desire for these like expensive clothes and mm-hmm. like who that person, who that version of herself would be if she was the person yeah. to like have those clothes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. Uh, and uh, we read this article in the cut about uh, what personal shopper gets the unglamorous side of fashion exactly right. And this writer says that fashion isn't just the province of happy people. SAS reminds us it's the director Dressing up can also be a salve for sadness and despair. We just don't talk about it as much, which mm-hmm. is so true. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like I get such a happy high when I have like nice new clothes or like mm-hmm. thinking about my, I spend so much of my time on the internet, like looking at clothes online that I'll never mm-hmm. wear or buy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think that movie gets to that really well and also kind of applies it to like the grief that she's feeling. Um, right. Cause I think clothes are such a powerful way to express yourself and mm-hmm. you're, you're, not always going to be happy. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so the movie at first, when you're beginning to watch it, I think you could safely assume like perhaps there's not going to be any appearances from actual ghosts in this. Mm -hmm. And it takes this turn probably like a third of the way through where you see a ghost Mm -hmm. in, uh, Maureen is in this house trying to contact Lewis. It's Lewis's old house. Um, 
but she is unsuccessful in contacting Lewis, but does like a sort of summon this very angry woman ghost. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my one critique of this movie would be that I feel like we didn't need the visualization of a ghost. I liked it. I mm. I liked it because I felt like it made you believe in mm. her character more. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just fun. <laughs> and yeah. it made it 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 made it it did give it that like genre spice that mm-hmm. I think this movie needed. Um and I think that the way that the ghosts were portrayed was sort of this like weird refraction of light and sometimes it was like actually an image of a person yeah but um a lot of times it was just like this weird refraction of the light which also reminded me of the way that one of the dress she wears is sort of like a disco ball type thing and it refracts the light and the in the same and it creates the same light effect as the ghost kind of Mm -hmm. and it made me think like another thing that we read was about in that like i think this movie is very ambiguous about like if the ghosts are real or not but Mm -hmm. we read this quote from vulture that says it's clear that the ghosts that have plagued marine are real it's also clear that she's been grieving ripped apart by the loss of her twin brother her counterpart in the world the ending indicates that these ghosts and maureen's interactions with them have been influenced informed and even manifested by her own grief they're real, but they're also her. There's a connection. And I think that mm-hmm. the light refracted from the dress as well as, like, the actual ghosts looking the same, I think, is sort of, like, alluding to that. Or it could be. Like, no. that she is, like, also creating the ghosts, like, herself. I think that's, like, my favorite reading of the movie. And um, mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, at the end of the film... So she, like, the whole time is, like, she's kind of... Uh, she sometimes introduces herself as a medium and then to other people will be like, I think I am one too. You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a little uncertain of it. Um, she says that Lewis kind of always was the leader and, Mm -hmm. um, she was just kind of like following him. Mm -hmm. But I think the, yeah, exactly right. Like the reading is that like, she is, there are things happening to her and she's also like creating them. And the very last scene in the movie, when I first watched it, it's like scared me so badly. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really a very scary. scary movie. Yes. But she's, she's followed her. We'll talk about this. Her unbelievable boyfriend, <laughs> her totally non charismatic. Well, that's part of it no too. Country. It's like, he also is like sort of ghostly because ghost. he's only seen through this like Skype. screen. Yeah. I, and I think like technology as specter is sort of something, a theme in this movie as well. Yeah. And I saw a lot of people who didn't like that. Uh, part of it, like, oh, we're watching this through screens, like another screen, but I really enjoyed that part of it. Mm -hmm. And like that primary relationship in the film is built through text messaging Mm -hmm. is totally realistic to how it would be now. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, like we spend our lives on our phone Mm -hmm. and I actually really liked the moments where Maureen would open a video on YouTube, like on Helma mm-hmm. Offklimt or mm-hmm. the the ghost documentary or whatever, mm-hmm. and we would then just start see it as well. You know, yeah, um, we were like I liked that too. Ride. Yeah, I thought that was and really well done. I thought one of the better scares at the towards the end of the movie is she has turned her phone on airplane mode because oh, she yeah. doesn't want to be receiving these texts, yeah. and she hangs up the phone with her. Uh, she hangs up Skype with her boyfriend uh-huh. and turns the phone off airplane mode and she, mm. all these texts flood in mm-hmm. and it shows that 
uh, from starting like an hour and a half ago, they all flood in and it's like this guy keeps like threatening her and he's like, if you don't come here, I'm going to come to you. And that was like an hour ago. And he was like, I'll wait an hour. And then he's like, I'm coming. I'm like on your street. I'm, I'm on your landing. And then like the, the, like most recent recent one is like now and it's like, I'm here. So that that was like so effective, I think, and yeah. just like building it so quickly built dread from like, oh, she's safe in her apartment to like this terrifying mm-hmm. like build of the person is there. Yeah. And all through all through like a screen, too. Yeah. It's like when you post something risky on Instagram and you're like, I'm not going to look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you see them coming in. Um, but I think another thing that really unsettled me about this movie and scared me when I first watch it is mm-hmm. that all of the interactions she has with the spirit world or her unknown texture are scary because they have such a masculine energy and they're so mm-hmm. angry seeming. Yes. Um, like obviously we, we find out spoiler at the end of the movie that the texture is this guy Ingo who killed her boss and he's mm-hmm. not a ghost, but mm-hmm. his, um, the other interactions she has with spirits, uh, feel masculine as well. Like there's a scene towards the end of the film where she's talking to her Brother Lewis had a girlfriend named Laura. She's talking to Laura's new boyfriend, who also knew Lewis. And um, La- her, the new boyfriend is saying, like, oh, just so you know, I wasn't involved with Laura Why Lewis was alive. Like, it started after. And he almost is, like, to me, I read it as, like, protesting too much. Like, he just immediately mm-hmm. brings it up. He's like, just so mm-hmm. you know, like, I we didn't do anything before mm-hmm. Lewis died. And Kristen Stewart's like, yeah, totally. I, that's fine. Whatever. And then we see in... A very scary shot once the man mm-hmm. leaves we see a ghost that we can assume to be lewis in the background of the frame moving along and then he like angrily drops a glass mm-hmm. and so all of lewis's if it is lewis like interaction seemed very angry too with maureen yeah i i think they either seem angry or kind of like almost like protective a little bit of her mm. i think in some in certain ways like i think that in the beginning of the movie she says that she will just know the sign from her brother she's yeah. waiting for the sign from her brother and she'll know it when she sees it but sudden but then at the end he does give her this sign it's dropping the glass and she uh. just pa- is like yeah. oh this glass like just fell oh. over yeah. and she doesn't catch it so in and she had just had this like moving conversation with Erwin, the new boyfriend, yeah. who had actually like moved her to tears. And it was about, and it's like the first time she like cries in the movie, really. Mm-hmm. And is like, um, you need to let him go. You need to move mm-hmm. on and live your life. And I think that's sort of the first time it like sort of really strikes her that, that she does need to do that. And I think possibly like you can read her ignoring the sign either she doesn't really doesn't realize it and is Mm. wanting to keep searching for that sign or ignoring the sign and being like i it's time to move on so i think like there are two ways to read that Mm. yeah but i guess just about like lewis's ghost and so i guess we can talk about the ending scene now Yeah, yeah yeah um where she is following her boyfriend to um he's in like Oh, Oman. Oman, yeah, uh, and it's it's again. You never see him. She like goes to some place where he's just left, and she reads a note from him, and then she's taken to another place, and she's kind of like in his wake, mm-hmm. and she's alone in a room, and she 
a glass is floating by her and she starts to engage with the spirit who at first she thinks is Lewis. Then she's not so certain. Um, and it's, it's knocking. And she asks the spirit, um, Lewis, is this you or is this just me? And it knocks once for yes. And it's just like we were talking about earlier where it's like, she is like that, that, the, she like activates, you know, she, Mm -hmm. it's coming from within her, uh, Mm -hmm. It's so scary, though. It's such a sad, like, weird, ambiguous it's, ending. And it's so scary. Like, the effects of the knock is very yeah. scary because it, like, shakes the entire house and it does yeah. feel violent. Yeah. Exactly. It, it does It does feel very violent. Um, and then it goes to white at the end. Yeah. Instead I of saw, black. So yeah. what did you think of all the fades to black slash white at the end? Did I you don't like know. them? I like them. I read a few people on Reddit who a lot of theories that she was dead the whole time or she dies partway through the movie. I, I think she think interacts with too many people. Yeah, to I be don't dead. think she's dead. Yeah. Um, I liked the fades to black because it reminded me it like just evoked the same feeling of like a ghost fading. And yeah. just I liked that like it carried out that tone throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I liked. I mean, I liked how much of a Kristen Stewart focused movie this was like yeah the, it was so like the camera just follows her it sticks with her the entire time and she's acting alone a lot of the time too which I think mm-hmm. is really hard one of her yeah. strengths too yeah yeah and but it never gets too close to her like all of the shots are, there's never like really any close-ups I feel mm-hmm. like which I also like too because it did feel like almost cautious mm-hmm it's a distance that she's almost she's employing in all of her life and all of her relationships. Yeah, as well. Um, she's so good in this. Uh, A.O. Scott write, wrote in the New York Times that um, she possesses an uncanny ability to turn her natural charisma into diffidence. You can't take your eyes off her, even as she seems to be making every effort to deflect your attention, to obscure her radiance, to disappear on screen. Very similar to what you said about like earlier that her characters are like aware of mm-hmm. how they're being viewed the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so true. She's like so magnetic to watch mm-hmm. to us, I guess. I know some people don't mm-hmm. like her it at all, but to me, she's so beautiful and she exactly that like has like, is just trying to like shrug it off all the whole time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like the hair flip it. especially is just like mm-hmm. it to me. It's like, so it's, I don't know. There's something about it. That's so like, it, it's distinctive as Kristen Stewart, like she does it in every single role and yeah. in real life. And it's so almost performative, but also just like shy too. I don't know. There's something about it that is just like very interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, it is. Oh, I just think she's a great, great actress. So this movie was funded by partially by Chanel, which I was surprised by. That is funny. I guess that could mean anything. That could mean like Chanel was like, you can use our clothes, you know, for free mm. in this film. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, do, do it's you... very stylish. I mean, it's a stylish movie. And so is Clouds of Souls Maria. Which I also loved. Yeah. I liked this more, but. I like this more too, I think. And it, mm. it's more about Kristen Stewart too. So It's more about Kristen Stewart. It's more, I do think the genre like touches are necessary, at least for me. In liking mm-hmm. it more, 
because it's just it is like more accessible to me i think i think you've swayed me because i think now if you didn't have that ghost scene the whole time you could be like it's in her head or the wrapping is yeah you know, um and it's well something. it still could be it still could yeah, be in her okay. head mm-hmm. i but i think that like the glass dropping and stuff makes it not in her head mm-hmm. but i don't know i do think that like the time where she says that she describes what being a medium is like is like mm-hmm. you see this door that's only slightly ajar mm-hmm. and you, like something is happening on the other side and that's what the like sensation is like to her yeah and when she discovers Kara's body she is at first she she is she sees the body, then she leaves the room where the body is, and she sees this door at the end of the hallway that is slightly ajar, and there's, like, a light on, and she knows that something is happening in it. And at first, she's sort of, like, drawn to it, but then she's, like, then it scares her away. And yeah. I think on one level, it could that's, like, sort of how she feels about spirits in general. Mm-hmm. And on one, like, I did have the thought, like, what if that is just Lewis in the other room, and he is like trying to scare her like say like get out of the apartment oh, i guess wow. like i don't know but that's just a theory i feel like it, this is a fun movie to theorize yeah. about but yeah or even like the ghost in the hotel room like who is that is that lewis is that kira uh, is yeah that... i don't know i thought like maybe it was lewis mm-hmm. like protecting her or you know like because it's so ambiguous like, like yeah ian what ian said was he was like because in the when she's in the hotel room alone mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, uh, she is placing these Cartier yeah. bags on the bed, and then she like looks up, oh, and yeah. then it fades to back black, and the next scene is like the elevator doors opening on their own, and the hotel doors opening on their uh-huh. own, and Ian was like, "What if like." the door in the hotel room just opened on his own and she was like, okay, I'm out of here. And what if that was Lewis, like, warning her to leave before... It seems that way, too. And then, like, Lewis leaves. It's kind of funny. You watch him. Yeah. But this is all just, like, conjecture, I feel like. But it's fun. That's what makes it fun. It's such a good movie for that reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to read the very funny one-star reviews. I mean, they're not funny. Okay. I'd rather watch six hours of C-SPAN than rewatch this 105 minutes of boredom. Stuart's character, well, I guess not caring about your appearance must mean you are really deep. I do not believe there was one smile in the whole movie. Just a side character, a worker, a waiter, anyone smile in France? And then the second one is 40% of this movie is watching Kristen Stewart text message a ghost. I repeat, 40% of this movie is a close-up of an iPhone text conversation. This, dear readers, is what we call extremely unimaginative screenwriting, which I disagree with wholly. Yeah, it's very very captivating. And it's a very captivating scene, and it makes you it does make you feel like very very effectively like what a real life text conversation yeah. would feel like in terms of like she's traveling back and forth from Fran- uh, france to london uh-huh. during this whole text exchange and she's going through transit and security and everything and she's just staring at her phone the whole time and it's so she's in such a daze she keeps buying drinks and just leaving them and not drinking yeah. them and she's so distracted by the conversation and that's just like kind of how we all go through our text message co- like lives exactly I it's weird like. to me when movies are phoneless because it's like people are on their fucking phones you know yeah we're just gonna Which have this huge divide korean recent korean dramas yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> they're just on their phones i feel that too that's how in parasite they're on their phone too it's funny i like it yeah i like it too it's like 
catch up, you know, catch mm-hmm. up to life. And if you can do it well, you can do it in the fucking movie. I don't know. Yeah, know? exactly. And this is done really well. It doesn't well. detract at all. Anyway. And I think a lot of that's due to Kristen Stewart's performance in that, like, her reactions to what is being read, mm-hmm. her hesitation in texting, her yeah. even just, like, yeah. her typos. Her typos, <laughs> her composing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It adds a lot to the character. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie, we didn't rate Twilight. We should rate Twilight oh, in shit. personal sh- shopper. Oh, my God. That's okay. okay. I was just like, oh, shit. Um, you go first. Okay. Twilight, I'm going to rate, like, a five and a half. I'm going to rate it a five. Okay. I almost went five. With love. But... Five, five with love. Five with love. Yeah. With with so much love. Like, yeah. this movie is so fun to watch. Self-aware love. Yeah. Um. But I don't like like it that much as a movie. <laughs> uh-huh. No, yeah. Um, and personal shopper, I'll rate like a nine. I love it so much. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite movies now. Yeah, me too. I'm really happy we rewatched it because I feel like the second time you watch a movie and you still like it is when you know you love it. You know, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, this is good. I yeah. know what's gonna happen. And I'm still loving it. Yeah, I'm gonna give mm-hmm. it a nine too. Wow, we're oh. so we're so much alike. <laughs> we're so insane. <laughs> what is well, the biggest they're... disagreement we've had? I think probably on Drop Dead Gorgeous. Or not, uh... Yeah, it's definitely Drop Dead Gorgeous, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. I stand by it. <laughs> okay, um, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on November 25th, and we are participating in noir November with the movies Brick and The Big Sleep. Checkflix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grief Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to Checkflix. Thank you. Bye. Bye.